And who knows, maybe, I mean, I, don't, I guess I'm not even going to really be able to pay attention to see if there's anybody even in here listening, but it doesn't really matter. Some of the chat, I don't matter? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It's oh, it's the first I go. So. Hypothetically, I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I remember I was streaming on Twitch at the time, and it was right when Xbox first came out. I think it was, and I was playing a game, some Roman game. I forget which one it came with the Xbox. And I looked over my chat. There's 300 people, <laughs> and I was oh, like, shit. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> and they're all telling me how to play the game. <laughs> it was like amazing. <laughs> And I was like, I'm giving this game away. If you stick, I did for. I gave the game away, and I played, did a playthrough the whole night. First playthrough I ever did through a game, honestly, like my first real like, playthrough through like a whole game, and I gave it away at the end of the stream. It's crazy. Uh, media like, source. Well, hey guys, his name's dumb. My name's dumber. <laughs> <Welcome> <laughs> <to> the- <laughs> oh. What's up? Welcome to our first attempt. Rough start one at that. Live podcast. I'm Husk or James, and I'm joined by my friend Rusher. Rusher, why don't you go ahead and uh, let these crazy internet people know who you are and what you do? So, on the interweb, I go by Din Rusher or Dynasty Rusher. Um, people mix my name up all the time, but yeah, I've been gaming since I was probably like five years old. Honestly, it's pretty crazy, but. Uh, I played every type of game. I'm mainly into shooters lately. Um, and now when I'm getting older, I'm getting into more like RPG games, things like that. Um, I don't know. I used to be really good at Call of Duty. I was number seven in the world in Call of Duty World of War, which, yeah, was a long time ago. <laughs> so <laughs> it's hard to look back at that. But, yeah, I kind of look back on that. It's something I, I'm proud of, you know, even though it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, that's basically about it. Fair enough. So the first topic that we're going to jump into is um, <laughs> it's it's one that I, I think it's a big deal. A lot of people are shrugging it off like it's not, but that's typically fanboys trying to do damage control. So let's get into it. The first topic is the fact that Sony will not be showing their presence at E3 in June. For the second year in a row, I want to know what you think about that, Rusher, and how that may or may not affect E3 on both Sony's terms, E3 in general, and even potentially Xbox. So Sony's probably going to come out with their own way of coming out, you know, and explaining it. Kind of like what Xbox did one time. Like, yeah, they did the E3 launch, but they came out and did their own. And they're hoping on that. That's what their big thing is. They're hoping they can go all out on that. But the biggest thing is that's going to hurt E3 in the long run because that's a that's a big thing to lose is PlayStation. That was something I was looking into all week. Like they said, it was like half empty, you know, because that's PlayStation that's not there, you know. So that was something that hurt them in the long run too. But I think they're just throwing all their chips in on their announcement, and I think that's what they're kind of scared. To be honest with you, I think they're kind of scared of what Xbox has. And they're trying to, you know, do what they can now to try to do damage control and try to cover that up. I think I agree with you on on most of that. I think it does potentially 
hurt E3 overall just because, I mean, not only is Sony not going to be there, I'm not 100% if it's true or not. Pretty sure Nintendo is not going to be there either. But from what I've read, Sony plans on having, you know, their whatever it's called in February, their big PlayStation event, their whatever, um, kind of like Xbox's XO uh, event. <clears throat> so my thoughts are that they're going to reveal the PS5 or at least to some extent, at least what it looks like. Hopefully, hopefully they don't come out and do anything stupid like they did at CES and reveal a logo. Like you bring your your big guy out to to talk for 30 seconds about nothing and then reveal the PlayStation 5 logo. Like that's far from what people were expecting. I thought it was pointless personally. But them not being at E3 I think is a huge opportunity for Microsoft because they'll have the like all the focus for the second year in a row and with them already having momentum, I think that's going to be big. Yeah, it's honestly pretty crazy that they just take the four away and put a five up. You know, that was that was what got people. They were like, "Wow, it's like, huge, right?" Like, like, yay! You know, like that that was not the way to go. I don't think. Yeah, no. I, I <laughs> you come out and you reveal a logo, and then you <laughs> announce that you won't be at E three again. Oh, granted, I guess I'm not part of their marketing team. I don't understand their strategy. I get that. I don't know. Maybe it's them trying to not just move away from E3, but to build more hype for their own event. They want people to be more aware of that than the fact that they're not going to be at E3. Now, there's a quote from, oh, whoever it was. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm just going to read the statement. I don't know which Sony person actually said it. it said, after thorough evaluation... Sony Interactive Entertainment has decided not to participate in E3 2020. We have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. They uh, sent that email in a response to Business Insider. <laughs> now, like I said, I don't agree with the choice. I, I think E3, I mean, it's so well known. I look forward to it every year because, I mean, E3 is that event for me that I get to go and see all the big games, potential console news. Because that's not the only thing that's there, the, you know, the console makers. It's also game studios and all that. So you expect big reveals, game exclusives, and they're going to miss out on all of that during that event. I don't know how much their specific PlayStation event in February is actually going. I don't know how much it's going to do in way of gaining any momentum outside of their super solid fan base that is diehard about it. Yeah. Like my biggest thing is like how Xbox kind of threw that first blow, you know, they're going to have to come out with something huge to gain that momentum back. That's just my opinion. Cause it's what you see first is what you remember, you know, like that's stuck in their mind right now. They've already seen the new Xbox. Some people were like, well, it looks like a PC, you know, eventually that stuff's not going to matter. It's going to matter about how the graphics look 
and and how it performs no one's going to care what it actually looks like anymore at that point no we'll be able to see all that and you can tell they dumped plenty of resources in that like they it's going to be super powerful that's why they designed it that way so it could actually cool itself when you're using it maybe you know more about this too but isn't this true that they're actually going to lose money in the beginning because i know that's what happened before I, I was reading articles a long time ago. Like they actually lost money. Odds are, I mean, it just depends on the market, I suppose. But the, I mean, they're probably going to eat some in as far as what they're going to sell the console for, yep. as opposed to what it costs to make it. But then again, you got to remember they're a huge company, and and mass production cuts costs quite a bit. It's it's hard to say, but even if they do, they'll be able to make that up in software yeah, alone. That's they, so that's what they say. Afterwards, it comes right back around. But I just remember reading that. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I was like, what is money? I was like, right off the bat, <laughs> right. like I'm like, whoa. All right. So moving away from that, we are going to start in on the very odd tech. I guess you could call it that was revealed at CES. And there are some whoppers. So I guess we'll start with, we're just going to scroll down this page and talk about Charmin's robot and VIP, I guess. So basically... (sighs) It's it's basically made for those times where you uh, sit down, take shit, and you go to wipe your ass, and there's no toilet paper, and you have to shimmy across the bathroom to go get a roll of toilet paper. Put your pants at your ankles, you know, like. <laughs> so, this Charmin robot can retrieve the roll for you. You can connect it blue via Bluetooth, and then they call it a toilet paper butler. They can retrieve the toilet paper for you from your phone because we know everybody is always on their phone. You know, the day of reading a newspaper when you're dropping a deuce is over and everybody's on their phone. What do you think about this? you think it's uh, <laughs> it's something really worthwhile? Do you think it's just more of a gag thing or could you actually see people buying this? I mean, there's probably going to be some people that actually buy it for, for that <laughs> use, but... It's more of like buying it for your friend or especially like your old father, you know, and you're like, hey, you know, I know it's getting harder on you nowadays. Here you go. Here's a Christmas gift. You know, so like, you can see a use case then. It's not completely I mean, it useless. Me, I would add like a mileage thing to it so I can see how many times they used it, you know. <laughs> Just to make sure they're getting used. I have no idea, no, no pricing, and I'm not going to go digging into pricing because it's not something I'm terribly interested in. But you now have a option to get a shit ticket butler should you choose <laughs> i personally wouldn't but I, I could see use case i guess with you know maybe somebody that's not super mobile you know it'd be a little more convenience but silly nonetheless so i'm going to move on to my favorite <laughs> my favorite one on the list which is the sauce slider so it's made with this weird teflon kind of tape and the idea of it is to literally be able to move any sauce from one spot to another 
on the table or plate, I guess. What what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the use is for, but I mean, you know where mine always, my mind always goes. I'm sitting there thinking like, man, this is going to be great for those adult <laughs> movie scenes they need to clean up afterwards. Like, this just cleans it all right up. <laughs> like, it's just super clean. No mess. <laughs> no one has to touch anything. Like, <laughs> hey, like one of their um in their demo they showed them grabbing the sauce off of this countertop like surface and then moving it onto this wax paper sheet as if like i don't know they the, the use case that they demonstrated makes me think it's like all right so you're gonna try and save the sauce for later you spilled some and you move it back to your plate or you're Moving it from one thing to another, I don't understand why you wouldn't just have the sauce on a plate initially. I personally don't see use case for it. I think it's kind of a cool technology. That the, like as far as the Teflon being able to move the sauce without actually changing its shape either. That that was the only cool thing. I th- <laughs> the fact they can pick it up as is and set it back down exactly how it was, just in a different spot, is kind of neat. Outside of that, I think it's uh, it's a bit derpy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what use case. Maybe just think of that, like on a larger scale. Like if they made a huge one of those, you know, you just get like a hundred <laughs> people and then you just move them. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they'll change. They just move. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're one minute you're on this side of the street, next minute you're on the other side. Like you just cross the street. Maybe the they time. could take this technology and apply it to a pooper scooper. Then you have an infinitely know, clean right? pooper scooper forever. If your dog has the runs, it just it picks it up no problem, and there's no nothing left back <laughs> on it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I just. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the next one. We'll uh, I'll go ahead and play the little video. It's very dinky. I'm going to mute that. So you can now get a um, the cat pillow cushion. It's yeah, a creepy. pillow with a cat tail. It looks like a cat, but it doesn't have legs or a head. So that alone makes it kind of creepy. But the fact that it's tail wags, I, I don't know. I find it creepy. I wouldn't ever lay my own head on it. <laughs> you have any logical thoughts for this one like you did the last two? <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can think of is if they make it like, you know, there's some people that are like super close to their pets. So they make it like a replica of like their dead cat that they didn't have anymore. <laughs> There you go. You know, you're going to have some buyers, you know, like they're going to be like, oh, you know, Pipsy's back home. <laughs> she's alive, wagging her tail next to me like she used to. <laughs> you know, like she's back. Oh, God. <laughs> like, oh. So I, I just, I don't feel like my pillow should move. And it, it just kind of weirds me out. I guess. And you're supposed to like, tickle your ear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It gives me the creepy crawlies, even though it's a fuzzy little thing. It just, any when I'm laying down, any movement <laughs> goes on that I'm not expecting 
I'm going to think like something's crawling on me or something. I don't, I don't personally like the idea and yeah. So let's see here. There was, I believe there's two more. This one I thought was a bit creepy, but at the same time, it's kind of cute. The, the <laughs> Lovat affection robot. It's literally this like miniature. What was that? Ter- like Teletubby. That's what it makes me think of. It's like a little tiny Teletubby that follows you around yeah, and looks at you. Yeah. It's got this awkward camera thing on the top of its head, but you can get one for 3000 bucks. Is it worth the investment? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like it says, it like flaps its its wings or something when it gets closer to you. Like it's like play with me, play with me. Like I have a dog, and every once in a while I'm like, hey, you know, like leave me alone. You know, like it's my time to relax. (laughs) I feel like someone should take advantage of this thing and put it in a horror movie because horror movies have like a really good track record of making cute things terrifying. And I could see that thing, considering the fact that it's a robot. (laughs) I could see it potentially being creepy especially like when you first get it you're gonna likely forget it's there and possibly accidentally step on it in the first place but if you turn around and it's there every time someone needs to make a skit about it like you go into the bathroom and take a shit and you call your butler and then this guy shows up technology (laughs) anything can be hacked nowadays you know what i mean like there's a camera on there (laughs) It's in your children's bedroom, you know. Next thing you know, you just see it driving around by itself, like just taking <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> I wonder if it makes any noises. I, I don't know if it communicates or if it just like stares at you and flaps its flaps. <laughs> I don't if it has a speaker, someone's gonna someone's gonna hack that and do some bad things with that. Like, you know, just scare some kid. It comes to life, and uh, yeah. I don't know. It, that's something scary because. You can't tell me they're going to have, like, some technology security. Like, it's going to be super safe. No one can hack it. Like, Yeah, because they can't hack anything. And then you, you heard about the whole ring doorbell nonsense, right? Yeah. that I found that kind of funny because it's supposed to not be that way. And you get it for security, and then people hack it and start talking to you through it. Yeah, or that like, would like, like the, the security locks. Have you ever seen that? Like, people have the security locks, and it's all set in one. They can basically take over that and be like, we're not letting you in your house. <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> yep, you're locked out of your own house, house now. Yep. Like, we're all the way away from you, but we're stopping you from getting in your house. And that's that's crazy. So apparently it's uh, pretty advanced. That's what it says here. It's been around for a handful of years, and it's actually now available. It was apparently just a concept thing. And it does have uh, eye eyelids. So that's... Adds to the creepy factor. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I if anything, I would get it for a kid. And and even then, I don't know that I would trust it. So, <laughs> we're gonna move on to more. I guess you just chalk this one up with the Charmin one as far as toilet humor. So Pampers has made this device called Lumi. You put it on your baby's diaper, and it basically lets you know when they shit themselves. Now, Rusher had a good point earlier in a potential actual 
use case outside of parent laziness on diaper checking. And I'll let you go ahead and <laughs> go through that again. What, what other use cases, like what logical use cases outside of parenting could you see this for? I mean, I can see retirement homes for sure. I mean, it's probably going to make their workers pretty upset because they're going to hear the app go off like, hey, you know, 82-year-old Bill just, you know, dropped a load again. But, you know, <laughs> they're going to have to keep up with it. You know, like, I mean, cause there's so many people that, like, soil themselves and literally sit there for hours and then their family members are, you know, are upset. But now there's, like, there's a way to track it for one. Be like, hey, it took you 20 minutes to, you know, take care of my grandparent, you know. So, You're I mean, fired. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could probably see him using stuff like that. That's crazy. All right. So that was the last thing that had to do with taking a dump. So it, I, I think you're right on that. I don't think it's not that it's not a neat concept or device. I just think it promotes its laziness. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just sour because I had to check my kids' diapers and have my damn phone telling me everything I need to do with my life every minute of every day. <laughs> it's just another one of those things. So we are going to move out of the derpy stuff and talk about some really, really cool stuff. At least my thoughts are that. So if anybody knows anything about hardware to whatever extent, as far as PCs and laptops and all that goes, the laptop space has pretty much been dominated and owned by Intel for as long as I can remember. And up until AMD finally got to their 7 nanometer process and started basically kicking the living shit out of Intel on the desktop market, we kind of just been sitting back waiting for him to do something in the mobile space so that we can have some affordability and actually get good performance and maybe even some potential longevity out of laptops. They released their 4,000 mobile chips back at CES. And I'm assuming this is going to be the first time that you can have up to eight cores on your processor in a laptop form factor, which is nuts. And I know for sure that one of these laptops, like, so an equivalent or closest to equivalent on an Intel side is going to cost about a thousand, I think is, is what I read. And then you look at this <laughs> Ryzen based laptop and it's going to undercut that by $400 and you're going to get more performance out of it. So it's, it's nice to see them shaking up the laptop space because they've already done that with the desktop, like big time. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about this? What do you know about it? And do you think that Intel's in even deeper shit now that Ryzen has come to the mobile space? Yeah, I thought they were in trouble for sure, like with the desktops, because that was something too. I remember, you know, Intel, that was, they were it. Like, you know, they couldn't compete. And then when they took over that, you know, people were shocked, like, wow, they did it. And the biggest thing with laptops too is, you know, the longevity of them. Like, that was my biggest thing why I stopped buying so many gaming laptops, because they only lasted so long and then you were done. Yep. Like, every time you go to see, can I run it with this game? And it's like, oh, no, you need to upgrade. And you're like, well, how do I do that? <laughs> like, you know, like, how do I just rip it out of there? You can't. You know, you're, that's it. 
Yeah, and that's like, laptops one. aren't just like uh, it, more and more of them are becoming a little more, I guess, modular in the sense that you can open them up and upgrade yep. your your hard drive and your RAM, but you can never, you can't typically unless you get a specific model that allows you to upgrade your processor. And seeing this, if I could get my hands on one, I'd love to, and I wouldn't have to buy a laptop for potentially years. And it would it would serve its purpose, and I would get my money out of it. But with laptops, you just can't do that. You have to go out and buy a new one. You can't just upgrade it like you can a desktop. So for me, this is stupid exciting, especially considering the amount you're getting the minuscule amount of power draw it's going to actually have. Well, as far as for what it is, it's, I don't know. It's awesome. I think it's going to, it's going to help everybody be able to possibly afford an actual laptop instead of, cause I look at them and I was like thinking, yeah, I'll pay about $400 for one. And that's just going to let me browse, watch videos, I'm not going to be able to game on it. Not worth a damn. But you throw something like this out there that can blow that out of the water and play games and do some editing. All the stuff that gamers and creative people want to be able to do. And you can get it for five, $600 and be good for a couple of years. It's amazing. That's at least that's my thought. I'm excited for it. I really want to get my hands on one. But... We'll see. I would love to get my hands on one and review it. That would be ideal. They got, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six different SKUs. I guess higher end ones. And you're looking at the basic four count, four thread, or four core, four thread CPU that's pretty much <laughs> the max amount of cores that you would see until this point in time in a laptop and then you can get a six and an eight core version. That's insane that they come in and they double the cores on laptop, just like they went in and more than doubled the cores on desktop just a few years back. So I'm excited for it. It's also PCIe gen four, just like their new desktop chips. So you'll be looking at really fast storage speeds. All right, so we're going to talk about the <clears throat> the competitor. Did you happen to look at anything around that socketable PC from Intel? Um, I looked at a little bit. Yeah, I think I have it right here too. So have to look at the gun. Yeah, it's it's basically it's basically a computer in the form factor of a graphics card. It has everything on board already. <clears throat> the PCB has Facebook notifications need to relax. Sorry, I shouldn't be reading comments while we're live. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's got a processor on it. It's got graphics on it. It's got RAM on it, and it plugs in where your graphics card would plug in. Now, obviously, that that's not its implementation. It, right now, you can go get... Like, I think Razer's making one and a couple other people. Basically, it's just this daughter board, and it has your two PCIe slots, 
you plug the Intel NUC in and then you can plug in a dedicated graphics card. And that's basically, it. you have those two PCIe slots, a power supply, and that's it. Uh, the Razer's, Razer's case for this and daughter board and everything looks like it might be just a hair bigger than what the Xbox Series X is. So about that form factor, like maybe a little over a foot long and, you know, half a foot or so wide or tall. So it's pretty awesome. I'd love to see someone like AMD do the same thing. I'd also love to see Intel make this usable on pretty much any platform. Like I'd love to be able to grab this, socket it into my PC and boom, I have my streaming PC. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, you end up with two PCs in one case without actually having to build two PCs. You just socket this one in to your PCIe slot and you're off to the races. What do you think about it's it? Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cause we were talking about that. Like, um, cause you know, a lot of people don't know, but I like to stream on Twitch. So that's something too, like, Having a dual PC setup is basically what you're saying you could do with this is you could just hook it up into that and then you could actually stream and then you could play at the same time. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like it could it has it could have a lot of benefits. It's got a lot of potential use cases. I'm going to keep keep up with the news on it and see if they do anything else with it or if it's use cases only the use case it's at right now, which is just a very small form factor PC essentially. I hope that's not the case, and I hope that they, somebody I'm assuming out there that knows what they're doing could make it to where you could use it for other other things outside of what its actual use case is. But I think that one's pretty awesome. So this next one, I definitely want to know your opinion on because you've you've done competitive gaming before, you've you've been through that the whole being on a team and all that stuff. And you're an avid COD player. Like you said, you were seventh in the world at one point in time in like world of war world at war. They unveiled a 360 Hertz gaming monitor at CES. NVIDIA did what, what Ben, could you see any benefits here? I mean, at least to enough of an extent to justify like, you know, competitive gamers or pro players. Could you, could they justify getting this? Is it just a, a really, really niche thing or is it tangible? Um, so for console, I'm not, I mean, console for sure is probably gonna help too, but the biggest thing is consoles can only do so much, you know, I think it's, I think Xbox one X is about 144 Hertz. I think is what you can go to. So, but the PC players for sure, like I was watching a video on this and like they took a Counter-Strike player and when he was lining up his shots, he was taking down people so smooth and he even said like, this is too easy. This makes my reaction have to be half as good, but that way my, you know, but he's basically saying like, you could be even better. So it's going to like, I was watching, he literally didn't miss a shot. Like it was insane. And that was in Counter-Strike, just watching a pro player literally just mow people down like it was nothing. Yeah, and that game actually, like, it's it's so easy to run at this point and been optimized for so long that it could probably push that kind of frame rate with, you know, probably a medium to higher-end graphics card. So I I guess I could see a use case for it. And, like, with with all things, like, visually, 
there is diminishing return over time. But, I mean, you look at 240 hertz monitors, you're jumping up another 120 hertz, so you can get another 120 frames per second. I think it'll be noticeable. I just, I, I don't think it will be so noticeable that you take the exact same player, pit it against himself, one on a 360, one on a 240 hertz monitor, and I, I don't think you would see a huge difference. But then again, I'm not, I'm not some pro player, so I, I don't look for refresh rate. I look for quality. So like when I'm playing on my PC, <clears throat> I'll literally I'll over overclock my graphics card as far as I can within reason, and play at a higher resolution with more detail and less of a frame rate. So I guess I could see in a competitive setting, it would potentially be beneficial, assuming that your graphics card can actually push out those frames. Yeah, for me, like, because even just on my Xbox, when I put my Xbox from, was it 60 hertz to 144 hertz? Like, playing Modern Warfare, it's like night and day. Like, just that difference there by itself, it's insane. Like, um, there's a map called Piccadilly on Modern Warfare, and it's rainy and it's shiny, so it's kind of hard to see so much reflections on the map. And you can see, just like in real life, it's kind of weird, just that difference I saw there. Because if not, to me, Modern Warfare looked blurry. It kind of looked grainy. Even though I went to the settings, turned the motion blur off, turned the grain off, I still was like, am I getting old or is it still grainy? And my friends were like, no, it's still grainy, but it's not that bad. And I was like, oh, it's awful. You know, it's like I can't see. And then, like, my my capture card only does 1080p, so until I get my 4K capture card, I I can't capture it. So I literally have to downgrade my quality to stream it. So that's something for me that's difficult because I'm like, I want to be able to play on that, but capture, you know, but you can't because in my mind, it's like, wait, you're in 144 hertz. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Right. So I'm like, okay. And that's another thing, too. I don't don't know. A lot of... Anybody that has played a PC game, I mean, even if your refresh rate's only 60 hertz, if your game can pump out more frames, it still creates a smoother experience. Just because your monitor's not refreshing that many times, you're still getting a smoother uh, experience and you're actually should be getting a quicker response time as far as your input and then seeing it on screen. <clears throat> I don't know. I think 360 hertz is really high, but who knows? We'll probably start. I who knows? A couple years, we'll see a thousand hertz monitor. So, I mean, 8K is also becoming a thing. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe some someday I'll have a super high refresh monitor and be able to say, yeah, it's absolutely worth it. But at this present point in time, it's not worth it for me but I could see a use case for it. That's like the AK. Like the AK is a big thing for me. I'm like, uh, because they say your eyes can't even tell the difference, you know? It's yeah, more it's of to be like, hey, I got an AK monitor. Stuff again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just... <laughs> All right. Now this one. This one's awesome. I would never pay for it because it's expensive as shit. But... <laughs> so Origin PC has created... A PC that houses both a custom PC and in the backside it houses either an Xbox One S 
or a PlayStation 4. <clears throat> it is removed from its box and water-cooled. Granted, you're not going to get like a performance boost on your console because it's water-cooled because that's they're not set up like... You can't overclock them or do any of that crazy stuff like you can with a PC. But it's all in one case. You have your PC, your console, and then also the capture card because you can actually order this with the 4K60. Costs like an additional arm and a leg, but you can have an all-in-one streamer's delight. Your choice of console. I think it's a really awesome concept, and when I built my custom case that I built I was like a year or more ago. My intentions were for a dual PC build and then for my Xbox One X to actually be inside the case with everything else. That never came to fruition, but it was my idea at the time. And then I like seeing this, it's, it's awesome. I think it's really cool. If I had the money to just throw around, hell yeah, I'd buy it. What are your what thoughts on this thing? So what is it? The price tag is it like two thousand five hundred? Um, let's see. I think, it's what I saw, yeah. I think it was two thousand five hundred. When I was looking at the hybrid gaming desktop, like it shows yep. twenty four ninety nine. That's the <laughs> so starting like, price. So my biggest fear. I mean, this sounds like a cool concept. Like you know, the new systems come around the corner now, so it's kind of like, do I want to pull the trigger? That's something that would be for me now. If it had the new systems, yes, that's probably an option. You know, because that way you don't have to upgrade everything. You just buy that but you know people that can afford it of course but you know they'll probably have payment plans things like that but the biggest thing for me is if there's a warranty because if you have faulty xbox stuff in your in your computer and if that oh, causes yeah. problems with anything else you know you're what are you going to do call up microsoft and be like hey yep. my xbox is your, messed up and your like, warranty through them is actually <laughs> void <laughs> so <laughs> but um origin pc is actually going to cover it under their own warranty. Okay. So just like they do the PC components. So if something goes wrong there, they'll cover it for however long it is. Now looking at the back panel, which is like typically you have a you know, your PC case, you open up the back panel and that's where your cable management goes, your power supply, you know, all that stuff. If you look at the back <clears throat> on this, your the power supply is back there, but you also have your 4K60 Pro and then the AIO liquid cooler mounted to the PCB of the console, which it just looks cool. It's not, like I said, you're not getting any benefits outside of, you know, some noise reduction. But it's really cool implementation. I, I think it looks kind of neat. It's ugly green PCB, but it's still pretty cool looking. I think it's like an extra four or five hundred dollars <laughs> just for the 4K60. <laughs> so, by the time you customize it and everything, you're looking at a pretty hefty price tag. Cause that's the base, yeah. That's the base, twenty four ninety nine. Mm hmm. It looks it looks cool though. I would like I said, if I had the money to throw around, I would I'd totally splurge on it and buy it. So. Let's roll into our last topic. That being video games coming in 2020. What are you most looking forward to? Give me, you know, your top few and tell me why you're most excited for those. 
Um, so I'm gonna start from the bottom out of five. Um, Resident Evil 3 remake. I mean, it's gonna be kind of cool to play. You know, a game that you know I used to play all the time, but now they're actually gonna make it better, the graphics better, and just refresh everything. And that's something too that a lot of people are excited about because they did it once already. Resident Evil 2. So that was one of the you know best recent releases they did. Um, number four, I think, is Cyberpunk. A lot of people are excited about that. It's just a new type of game. It's gonna be fun. Um, something different. You know, we've been playing the same type of games for so long. So that's another one, and that's coming out in April. So that's gonna be pretty cool, like three or four months. And then Ghost of Toshima. That was one that's for PlayStation. So it's just PlayStation only, and it comes out in summer of 2020. Not for sure the exact date yet. But it's actually pretty cool. Like I watched a trailer and it just the trailer was badass. So it just got me into it. Like, wow, I could actually play this. This is a game I actually sit down and, and play it all the way through. And have um, fun with it. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of games, yeah, you'll play them for a little bit, you get hooked for a second, and then you you just fade away. And I think that game will actually, you know, stick to you a little bit. Um, number two is Halo Infinite. So that's a tough one for some people. Um, they've let us down so many times, but they're trying to go back to their roots. You know, it might be too late. Hopefully it's not. Um, this could be their comeback that everyone's been waiting for, so I'm excited for that. And then my favorite, The Last of Us 2. I don't know how they're going to one-up their last game that they did. It was so amazing. Just like the first five minutes, you know, it, it was amazing. It had you in. You're, next thing you know, you're, you're running through a street. Next thing you know, you're almost in tears, you know? So it was like it had you from the beginning. Like you didn't want to like It was go. great storytelling, really basically. Yep. It was. It, it, it was honestly, it was like you're watching a movie, but you're playing it the whole time. So I guess, I, I don't know. I have so many games. Like, I just started writing down everything I'm excited for. Now, the problem with this, like, I'm excited for these games. Will I actually get them and play them? It's hard to say. Like, uh, my gaming has slumped off so drastically over the last couple years, but that's just due to me being overly busy probably and by the time normally i'm a i'm a night owl and that's when i typically play most of my games i get home and i'm you know tired <laughs> I, eat, I eat dinner and i'm going to bed so i want to play these games like a lot but we'll see uh my number one would have to be halo infinite now i did i played the campaigns in four and five and I, I enjoyed the game as a game. I hated the story of five. Like, I don't know what their thought process was with taking focus off Master Chief and his team. But I think you get like three chapters is all where you get to actually play as the face of that game. Like that franchise is is Master Chief. And when they introduced Locke and made you play as them, and then they built it up like there's this big fight going to happen between the two, and that didn't actually happen. It was all bullshit. That that upset me a little bit. But Halo Infinite is looking to be <sighs> pretty ambitious. So it appears to be it's going to be an open-world concept, which is going to actually let you explore a halo for once instead of being confined to a specific path you might actually be able to kind of just run off and explore i like that idea as long as it keeps what halo is at its core or if they can bring that back i haven't the multiplayer was okay in the last two 
but three was was my thing. Halo two and three, I I loved the multiplayer on that. And then when they started introducing all these abilities and all this different crap and sprinting, it it, it just wasn't Halo anymore to me. So I'm very much looking forward to this, and I really want to see the continuation of Master Chief's story, and he needs to be the focus. And the co-op and the split screen, everything. Like, they're bringing back everything that that we love, and I hope that they they do it properly. Like you said, (laughs) this could be it. You know what I mean? It's, It's not that the game won't make enough money to justify another one, but we'll see. I'm also looking forward to Resident Evil 3. I just watched the trailer, I think, today. And holy shit, it looks it looks pretty. What'd you think about Nemesis? Um he, he looks alright. Yeah, it's the protag or the yeah, protagonist? Antagonist. The the bad guy <laughs> in Resident Evil 3. The, oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I got you. He's all I was mangled. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's pretty crazy, yeah. I think he looks pretty gnarly. I think that's that's a little more of about, you know, your guns and shooting than the previous, you know, two Resident Evils that came before it. But it was it was a great game when it was released years and years ago. So just getting a graphic upgrade like the first and second one did is I think it's awesome. Uh, so there's a game called Back for Blood that. I guess the speculation and the way it looks to because I believe the same team, part of the same team that worked on Left 4 Dead is actually building this game. So it kind of looks like a Left 4 Dead successor. And I like tons of people out there, I've been waiting for a Left 4 Dead 3, which is not going to happen. But this looks like that might attempt to fill that void. Did you ever play Left 4 Dead? Yeah, like, I remember the first time I played the it was original Xbox, I believe, when they first came out with the trailer. It was like they gave it away for the weekend. I guess it was on Halloween, and I remember I was like trapped in a bathroom. Like I have a clip somewhere. I'm really trapped in a bathroom hiding with a shotgun because I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. It was pretty crazy. All right, so this one, have you seen anything on Crossfire X? Uh. I thought I did. Let me make and say sure. I, exactly if you if you want to go watch the trailer for it, by all means do because I think I think you'll be about as excited for it as I am. I mean, Call of Duty, I I really want to go get the new one, but I've been on a Call of Duty hiatus for a while because it was just <laughs> it was just like a copy paste thing going on and then they added things i didn't like like i like my boots on the ground that's 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 my kind of gameplay in this game it looks like it's basically it looks like call of duty but better in my mind and i'm very much looking forward to it it is coming out this year it just seems i don't know it's i i can't explain what makes it look different Outside of cosmetics, it just watching the gameplay footage and different things. It just looks more. It looks exciting, like the for the first time in a while, first person shooter, something similar to Call of Duty isn't just a Call of Duty clone, or at least it appears to be that way. So I'm super excited for that, and I want to get my hands on it the second it comes out. 
Yeah, Call of Duty's let us down lately. <laughs> I yeah, know it's been pretty uh, bad. recent years it hasn't been the greatest. All right, so I'm gonna look over and see what we got for comments. Machu, I can explain. Oops, actually I can't. <laughs> you can you can explain or can't explain what exactly. Oh yeah, Dying Light 2. I'm looking forward to that. I just played the first Hellblade, Hellblade uh, last month sometime, or the month before. Uh, the second one looks really good, and the in-engine in footage for the second one, the trailer, not only was it just an awesome trailer and had like badass music that perfect with it, the, the graphical fidelity on it was nuts. And another one I... I'm very much looking forward to Doom Eternal. And oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. that Microsoft Flight Simulator just looks cool. Just graphically absolutely beautiful. It looks damn near realistic. I don't know that I will ever play it or get it, but it just... Like, if you were to show me certain portions of that trailer, I would have swore it was real footage. That's how good it looked. I wouldn't have been able to discern the difference between it and an actual, yeah, like real life camera rolling on these huge landscapes. Oh, yeah, and Cyberpunk 2077. That one also hits in the not-too-distant future, and... There's a lot of hype around it because we've known about it for so long. What do you, th what do you think about Cyberpunk 2077? Have you seen much on it? Are you excited for it at all? Does it looks like something. Yeah, does it look like something you'd play? Stuff. Well, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like you know me. I'm always, I'm the kind of person I like to play games that I hate to lose. Yeah, you know, I've always been that. It's always been how I am. It could be Uno. It could be any type of game. If there's a way I can lose, I'm like, why would I play? You know, that's just how I've always been. Yeah, that's why it's hard for me to get into like certain shooting games if I don't play them for a long time. Like Call of Duty, I go offline and I play for like two weeks straight, and no one knows, and then I come back and play. So this game, like if if it gets me hooked, then I'll be fine. Then I'll be good because it's a first person perspective. You know that I, that was something that was cool too. You know, a lot of people like third person stuff, but like me, I like to be able just to look at it from their point of view. Yeah, and it puts them like I was reading something too. It put Witcher's fans in a tizzy because you know. It, that's something that they're actually going to be excited about in this game too. So it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's supposed to be like pretty dynamic as far as how unique <clears throat> each person's experiences is supposed to be pretty drastically different. Like a lot of games always claim, you know, that certain things you do, like your your experience is going to be custom to you, but they don't always really deliver on that necessarily. And th this one appears to be another similar concept in you know, like your choices to some extent and what you do. And that's another thing about Dying Light 2 is actually supposed to, like there's tree after tree based on each decision you make in that game. Does that concept intrigue you at all? of like literally out of the gate like you'll have these interactions and when you choose to help or not help someone or you choose to attack someone or not attack someone it spirals off into this tree effect and then 
you have these other four options tied to that or choices tied to that first one and they have branches and they have branches. It's, it's a pretty uh, ambitious concept. What do you think about it? Yeah. It's kind of like naughty dog. Like naughty dog does a lot with like walking dead. Um, a lot of their games that they make, they give you that, they give you an ultimatum. Like you get to choose in between, but if you do later on, there'll be consequences because that person will remember what you did or what you said. And it is, it, it and sometimes if they do it the way that they did in Naughty Dog, they put a timer where you have to think quick. Like you get to react super fast and your mind has to think like, all right, do I want to piss this person off? Do I want to make this person a friend? I mean, that's something too that adds that experience to that game. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to personally is the fact that my experience could be a 100% contrast to yours, but we could both, we'll both absolutely love the experience. That's the idea of, of games like that that you and then you go back and you play it again down the road you know after it sat for a while you got to revisit it and it's completely different than the last time you played it oh yeah i know because like different endings and everything everything can change like you know it could be a game where you end up dying at the end or you end up living you know it could be different endings for everyone it's pretty cool and actually some of your decisions in this game are going to directly affect the environment as well uh, apparently like like you make a choice on because it's a post-apocalyptic world so if you make a choice having to do with resources it could directly affect the entire community that surrounds you and the people that live in it so you could be loved hated you could run water so low in one area that people are dying of dehydrate like it's i don't know it's supposed to be pretty in depth and I just I hope they can execute it because then other games that try and do a similar thing can take a page out of their book and learn from it and make their experience even better than that one. So wrapping up, I think we're gonna start doing this on Wednesday nights instead of Tuesday nights. And hopefully next time it starts off a little smoother. And we actually Typically, we would have um, our other friend, Joker, or Jared, as you might know him, joining us, but he was predisposed of tonight, so he wasn't with us. But he did give me a statement on some of the points from tonight, and I'm going to read that before we sign out. Joker says, and I quote, I'm excited for Cyberpunk. Doom. And the Resident Evil 3 remake, he's definitely on board for. On the PlayStation topic, he said, PlayStation keeps skipping fucking everything, like the snobby child. Oh, is Xbox going? And Nintendo? No, I'm staying home. He says, get over your ego and talk to your fans. It's like the guy a few years ago who simply explained a programming error <clears throat> and was banned. Nobody cares if you're doing a PS5 right now. We just want to see some titles that may be cool and keep us on PS4 or if Xbox is going to get everything coming. Fuck off. I'm done. Jokey Pants out. <laughs> so that was his take. He thinks uh, Sony's a little inflated and should um, should have showed up for E3 and at least showed games, whether they're for PS5 or PS4. They should have had a presence. Do you have any closing thoughts, Rusher, before we before we end here? Uh, not really. Just 
like you said, every Wednesday, um, that's when we'll be doing it. That sounds cool. Get on a on a schedule and try to stick to it, and that's about it. And I also wanted to see. Um, I don't know. I was gonna see if maybe we wanted to bounce back and forth on hosting, um, just to change things up on a weekly basis. So we'll talk about that further after the podcast is over and anybody listening post live stream make sure to leave some feedback let us know what you think give us any topics you think we should talk about as long as it's related to gaming and tech and i think we'll yeah we'll see you next week wednesday hopefully the same time same bat channel but thanks for tuning in and we will catch you on the next one